Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British Royal history. Before we get into things today, if you enjoy spending time with me here at the podcast, please take a few seconds to rate, review, subscribe, and share. I know it's a little annoying with every content creator asking this and saying it helps, please do this, but in all seriousness, it does. Everybody wins here when you do that, especially if it's a five-star review. So if you could take a few seconds and do that, I would greatly appreciate it. Additionally, if you want to request topics for future episodes or simply want to let me know how I'm doing so I can improve the podcast, you can send those over to the official email. It's BritishRoyalFanPod at gmail.com. Also, if you're feeling generous and want to donate to the podcast to improve it in any way, shape, or form, there are links on the Anchor homepage and on Twitter. Getting to some royal business, in royal news this past week, the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall finished up an official visit to Greece. On Wednesday, they took to traveling instead of virtual engagements and spent two days in Greece to participate in the bicentenary Independence Day celebrations, attend meetings, and celebrate ties between the two countries. This was a request at the government, and while it was 100% COVID safe and everyone followed the rules, it went off without a hitch. It was a wonderful royal visit, and in all terms, it was very much a success. One thing I do find interesting is that Camilla wore a mask that had the official Prince of Wales insignia on it. A member of the public made it for her, and it was just interesting to see, and kind of a little bit of a reminder that while she does not use the title Princess of Wales, and while she doesn't use any of that at all, it's still a reminder of, oh, she is affiliated with him outside of marriage. The Duchess of Cambridge is in the news this past week. Many news outlets report that Catherine is in the process of releasing her first book, and the book is titled Hold Still, A Portrait of Our Nation in 2020. An avid fan of photography, this is a collection of photographs submitted from the public of Britain in lockdown during the pandemic and it's people telling their stories and it is quite powerful. Early in 2020, around April and May, uh, she took to social media requesting photographs and stories of people's experiences in lockdown, their struggles and what they were going through. And towards the end of 2020, she had a full collection of most, if not all of them, at either the Victoria and Albert Museum or the National Portrait Gallery. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it showcased all of that, and she let everybody's stories speak for themselves. Well, now she's doing it again in print form. The Duchess wrote the foreword herself, and all the proceeds will go towards both the National Portrait Gallery and the mental health charity called Mind, which her and Prince William have supported for a while. It's really wonderful and refreshing to see the Duchess use her platform to tell other people's stories and to highlight their voices and not just her own. In some light fun news, uh, after her birthday, Princess Eugenie posted a few intimate family portraits on social media. And one thing that we, the general public, got to see is more photos of her little son, August, and seeing the new family interact together. It was very cute to see. And also, apparently, 
Prince William has been named the sexiest bald man in the world, and personally, I'm not sure if that's a read or if it's something actually worth celebrating. I'm not sure if people are lightly poking fun at him or what, but apparently that has happened. To transition into what we are going to be talking about today, the royal family is still feeling the aftershocks of the interview with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Yes, they've made a formal statement about the accusations of racism within the family and how they're going to internally work on this to fix this quote-unquote private family matter. And Prince William even made a very out-of-the-ordinary, off-the-cuff statement during an engagement about a week, maybe two weeks after the initial interview. He did what royals don't do in public. He addressed recent criticism and made an off-the-cuff statement, which is something that doesn't happen. Buckingham Palace even made an official statement saying that they're going over their racial policies, diversity statements, statements about inclusion, everything there across all royal households, across all parts of the firm to try to better themselves because they haven't produced significant evidence of positive change and they need to improve it. They are making some efforts But today, we're talking about a person that the royal family would probably rather forget and someone that they really don't want to talk about. Today, we are talking about the very controversial and highly problematic Princess Michael of Kent. As an aside, before we get into the details of everything, this is just a presentation of facts that we know. This is not meant to defame her character at all or spread any untrue gossip. These are just stories that we know, and there will be a little discussion at the end. Her Royal Highness Princess Michael of Kent, or her actual name, Marie Christine, is not a blood member of the royal family. She is a member by marriage. For today's podcast, and for all intents and purposes, I will be referring to her as Princess Michael, as that is what she's known most in the public and in the media, and it helps me keep everything straight. She is the wife of His Royal Highness Prince Michael of Kent, who is the younger son of Prince George and Princess Marina, their Royal Highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Kent. Prince George was one of the younger sons of King George V, and the Duke sadly died during World War II. As another aside, the marriage of Prince George and Princess Marina is one of the last instances where one royal house married another royal house, Prince George being in the House of Windsor and Princess Marina being a princess of Greece and Denmark. When Princess Michael married Prince Michael, she took the female equivalent to his title, which is actually something that every member of the royal family has, one that marries into, which is why she's known as Princess Michael and not Princess Mary Christine. She isn't, she wasn't born a princess, she married a prince, and the equivalent of his title is being a princess, but it is Princess Michael. He doesn't have any other titles to him at all, which is why she is referred as such. And technically, uh, the Duchess of Cambridge could be called Princess William, much like the Duchess of Sussex could also be called Princess Harry. But because they have other titles, they go by those instead. Princess Michael is known for being an author and lecturer, and while they are not 
working members of the firm and they never have been official working members of the firm they have on occasion done official work for minor functions once every few years if that they were never officially on the website as working royals and i don't think they ever will her husband is currently 50th in line of succession and that will only continue to fall as more royal children are born and they become more and more fringe members princess michael has a very weird past she was born baroness marie christine von Riebnitz in january of 1945 in the german populated studentenland i believe that's how it's pronounced i'm sorry if that was wrong but it's now known as the Czech Republic. She was born in the area now known as the Czech Republic. And she was born to a noble family. Her father, Baron Gunther von Riebnitz, was a member of the Nazi party and was an SS cavalry officer during World War II. Yep, her father was a Nazi. And this is something right here that the royal family doesn't really like to acknowledge or talk about. Her father was a Nazi and... Through him, she had some experiences with the Nazi party. Who knows how much? We're not here to talk about her childhood. We are talking about some of the controversial things she has done. Princess Michael officially joined the royal family when her and Prince Michael married in 1978, but it was one month after her first marriage was annulled. That is correct, listener. She's a divorcee. She had a previous marriage to a banker, I believe, and it wasn't a happy marriage, clearly, and she met Prince Michael in the 70s. They divorced in 1978, and one month later, she married Prince Michael. They married in a small civil ceremony in Vienna, Austria, and given the fact that this is her second marriage, there's also another aspect of it that was highly problematic. She is Roman Catholic. According to the Royal Secession Act of 1701, it prohibited anyone within the royal family from marrying anyone who is Catholic. Doing so means that you forfeit your place in the line of succession. At the time of their marriage, Prince Michael was 15th in line to the throne, and in marrying her, he gave up his rights and claims to the throne. He didn't lose his style, he didn't lose his title, but he lost all his claims to the throne and any that his children would probably have. They married in 1978, and it wasn't until 1983 that the Pope officially gave his blessing on the marriage. The Royal Secession Act of 1701 was revised in 2015, and in doing so, Prince Michael was reinstated within the line of succession, which is now why we can say he is 50th in line to the throne. There is significantly more to Princess Michael that is controversial. There has been a lot of scandal around where Prince and Princess Michael live. Prince Michael never received any parliamentary annuity or an allowance from the Privy Purse because neither him or Princess Michael did any official work or never official working royals, so they never got any money from the Privy Purse at all. Since 1979, the couple has had a five-bedroom, five-reception room slash stateroom Grace and Favor apartment at Kensington Palace. 
The queen has paid the rent for the apartment at the market rate from her own private funds. And the couple has paid a small nominal fee of about 70 pounds per week. The rent goes to the grant and aid provided by the government for the maintenance of the occupied royal palaces. The rent, being £120,000 a year, is based on the current rate of commercial, commercially rented properties at Kensington Palace and is recorded in the overall figures of commercial rents in the grant and aid annual reports. The, the rent is paid by the Queen, quote, in recognition of the royal engagements and work uh, for various charities with which Prince and Princess Michael of Kent have undertaken at their own expense and without any public funds. So in some ways, the Queen pays for their apartment as a way of saying, hey, you do these out of your own pocket, you're doing your own charity work, you're doing your own engagements, not associated with the crown, not having any public funds. Sometimes you step in for me, so you know what? I'll pay for you to, to live there. This made a lot of people angry when they found out that, in an essence, Prince and Princess Michael of Kent were living at Kensington Palace almost for free. They were essentially paying for the utilities. In 2008, it was announced that Prince and Princess Michael of Kent would be required to begin paying the rent of £120,000 a year themselves. Members of Parliament on the Palace's committee had demanded that this change happen when the, up until 2002, the couple had only been paying utilities. So that's from 1978 to 2002. So they lived at Kensington Palace starting in 1978. In 2002, it came to light that they were only paying utilities and not really paying rent. And they finally started paying rent in 2008, almost 30 years after they had been living at Kensington Palace. Princess Michael has been publicly accused of being a racist and she has had a lot of controversial incidents in the public to defend that claim. To start, news of her father's Nazi affiliations rose in the 1980s and into the 90s and the press wouldn't really let it go and in doing so the magnifying glass of what she did was placed upon her. An American fashion magazine once claimed that, quote, Princess Michael had more royal blood in her veins than any person to marry into the royal family since Prince Philip. And that did not go over well. After being told about Princess Michael's lineage, the queen reportedly joked that the princess was, quote, a bit too grand for us. It has been said in the 90s and and all the time she's been in the media that she has a somewhat grandiose attitude and can be a little bit demanding. And in some ways, if we were to put a word on it, a diva. But again, that is what the media says. And I don't know her. I don't know if that's fact. That's merely what the media has presented to us. In 2004, she was accused of racially insulting black patrons of a restaurant in New York. The patrons were having their own conversation. Princess Michael was over at another table, but they were close. Apparently, they were being a little too loud for the princess's liking, and she went over to, to the table and told the various uh, people of color at the table to, quote, go back to the colonies. A spokesperson for the princess acknowledged that, yes, she was angry at the group for making too much noise, who were seated near her, but the statement of her making that claim of shouting, go back to the colonies, was, quote, untrue. But the damage had already been done. 
In February of 2005, she gave a series of interviews to promote one of her books. And in one of these interviews, she said that members of the public, especially those in Britain, should be more concerned about the bloodlines of their children. She also claimed that the British media were, quote, too excited by Prince Harry's decision to wear the swastika at the party. We've all seen those photos. They're not cute of Prince Harry wearing somewhat of a Nazi costume. And she said that the media was too excited about all of that, claiming that there wouldn't be much fuss if he had wore a hammer and sickle instead. In September of 2015, the princess was in the news again for publicly stating that animals, quote, do not have rights because they do not pay taxes, do not have bank accounts, and do not vote. And this is somewhat ironic as she has been an advocate for cheetahs and in some endangered animals, so that statement's a little weird. More recently, in December of 2017, the princess was under huge public backlash after she decided to wear a Blackmore brooch to a Christmas banquet where the then fiance of Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, was in attendance and she was meeting members of the family for the first time. Now, why is a Blackmore brooch offensive? The Blackmore brooch is a figurine or a sculpture of exotic figures that usually depict African men and they were very prominent in the 17th and 18th centuries, but again, it is a racist depiction. It is not anywhere publicly correct at all, and she, in some ways, she knew walking into it she was going to be meeting the then Meghan Markle, a woman not only American, but of mixed race. Meghan is a person of color, so... That did not go over well. The public got very angry with her and a spokesperson on behalf of the princess publicly said that she is very sorry and distressed that it has caused offense. And lastly, in April 2008, her daughter's former partner has alleged that the princess had owned a pair of black sheep that she has named Venus and Serena Williams. A spokesperson refused to comment on the story but again, the media has their hands on it, and they're not going to let that go anytime soon. Princess Michael of Kent is a highly problematic member of the extended royal family. She has made very racist statements and very offensive actions in the past. She has she's yelled at the black patrons of the restaurant in New York in the early 2000s. She hinted at eugenics, which as we all know, or if you do not know, eugenics was a big pillar within the Nazi party and Nazi ideology. It's a very outdated and offensive way of thinking. She wore the Blackmore brooch to a banquet where she met the now Duchess of Sussex. She has allegedly the black sheep named Venus and Serena Williams. And her and her husband for a very long time lived at Kensington Palace rent-free. And the public, when talking about Princess Michael of Kent, have a very polarizing opinion of her. The royal family right now is doing a lot to clean up their image against these racist allegations. They're really trying to do better and acknowledge that, hey, we've we've had a problem. We're going to do better. We're going to review things. We're going to do better moving forward. And personally, I can see this coming back and potentially holding them back. There is a member of the extended royal family 
who has done official work in the past with her husband who has made this. There is a track record here of a controversial past making racist and offensive statements and not really doing anything to atone for it aside from a simple statement going oops sorry and moving on. I highly doubt that she has had any say within the family being how far removed she is. Her husband's 50th, she's just a fringe member of the family and that line of the family will have since fizzled away when her and her husband pass away. I doubt she has any influence over the running of things. She's so far removed I doubt she's the one that made that statement about Archie's skin tone, but she has this track record for her. So it'll be interesting to see how the royal family handles this going forward as they're very actively combating racism within the family to try to better their image. I have faith that something positive will come of this, but positive in the sense that they will do something to rectify this, but who knows what it'll be. That's just me conjecturing over here. Do not take what I've said as fact. But there you have it, a very quick retrospective into the controversial figure that is Princess Michael of Kent. My sources for today's episode are Wikipedia, Town & Country Magazine, and BBC.com. Thank you for stopping by the podcast today. I'm really glad you showed up. If you made it this far, awesome, you're great. If you want to email me to let me know how I'm doing or suggest topics for future episodes, you can email me at britishroyalfanpod at gmail.com. Any and all recommendations and critiques are there. If I need to correct something, please let me know. I'm, (laughs) I'm in grad school right now, so I'm very comfortable with the idea of being wrong and having to go back and correct myself. You can head over to Twitter and follow me there at fanatic underscore royal. I try my best to interact with you there in real time, provide updates as they're happening, and I would love to make the podcast the very best it can be for you. If you would like to make a donation and support the podcast, you can head over to the Anchor homepage or the link provided on the Twitter page. Your monthly donations will help make the podcast the very best it can be, and if you can bring anything together, I'm very grateful for and appreciative. Head over to Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and more. Rate, review, subscribe, and share so that everybody can see the podcast, the five-star reviews that you may give, I'm very appreciative of, and it helps the podcast show up on charts, and more people can know about the podcast and can join the family. Have a great rest of your day, stay safe and stay healthy, and I'll see you, of course, in the next one.